How you doing? I'm your announcer, Joey Clams, and you're listening to the Genghis and Ragman Show, where a couple of metalheads talk about hard rock and heavy metal while drinking and writing craft beers from around the country. And don't forget to stick around after tonight's festivities for a one-on-one interview with our featured guest. Hi, this is Jeff Tate, and I give you the right to rock. For two guys who are so metal, their doctors are licensed mechanics. It's Genghis and Ragman. The Genghis and Ragman Show only on the right to rock.com. How was that by then? Uh-huh. That was terrible. That was, as always. that was my announcer voice. Uh-huh. You look uh, impressed. Okay. Got the fucking cat down here going fucking nuts. She's like, oh my god, it's a new show. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. sure the listeners are loving that. Well, Thanks for great radio. <laughs> They don't see the fucking cats. What are you talking well, they about? They don't have the fucking cats. I fucking hate these cats. I do. Okay. You've said it before. We don't care. Dude, let me ask you this. Okay. Asking a question. You got sure. cats, right? How many cats you got? I have 
idea. Like five or six. Why? Five or six. Just fucking what's your question? <laughs> this fucking idiot. The black and white one. Sure. That was a good idea to jump on top of the TV cabinet and go uh-huh. up to the TV and say, oh, what's going on with this TV? It was turned off. She, uh-huh. she was trying to, like, extend her claws. She's clawless. I was okay. like, pawing the fucking TV. That's it? That's what you're complaining about? I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to fucking scratch my TV with your nubs. That's the point. She ain't got no claws. She ain't going to scratch nothing. If she had claws, yeah, that might be a problem. But since y'all are cruel and you declaw the cats. Y'all? Y'all. Oh, it wasn't? It wasn't who y'all? You, who would you say was y'all? Who would classify as y'all? Are you telling me she did that? I can now. I can blame everything on her. I was going to say, is that what this is? Like, At this point, it's it fair, right? <laughs> it's uh-huh. her fucking problem. She's a cruel one. I say, honey, don't do it. No, I have to have the clothes removed. Get out of my way. That's right. She grabs the pliers. <laughs> Get out of my fucking way. <laughs> she got the pliers. Just yanking them out. The cat's like, Aah! Fucking blood spewing everywhere. Damn, okay. Don't go too dark. Got lemon. Because I like lemons. Are we going to do like a show or anything like that? It's the taste of semen out of your mouth. What? So... You want to start with topics or a song, or what do you want to do? No, I made, I made crawfish. If you're eating crawfish, I said in the heads and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, got it. Lemons are kind of a wonder. They're kind of a... <laughs> one of those strange... Miss, uh, like a mystery myth. What the fuck's a mystery myth? Sabbath. Huh? We got Dino Kazar, Sapphire Pad. We got a lot of good stories. Your, John had something to say about lemons. You okay. Bad taste out of your mouth. Didn't he already say it? He did, but I didn't understand. He so said, we can move on. Mystery of myths. What's that Who mean? Who gives a shit? How the fuck should I know? I, I wouldn't even mean. listen. How do I know? How do you know? You're the fucking one over there talking to him. <laughs> Don't act like you ain't got nothing to do with it, bro. I can't control what the fuck comes out of his mouth. Sure. <laughs> hey, by the way, one of our listeners texted me and said that you seem uh. very angry. And they want to you already know said this. So you did this bit last time. They want to know why. No, this is a, not a new bit. This is a true story. I got. It's text. the same bit, though. It's not a bit. It's true. You're angry. We already talked about this. But he wants to know why you're so angry, Holmes. Well, fuck him. I don't care. <laughs> what do I give a shit? He's one of our loyal listeners. Whoopee. One of the three. One exactly. And he made. No, I mean, whatever. We all know who who the problem is. Is you. I always get your thumb up your ass. We're supposed to be doing a show over here. Case in point. John, just just calm down. He's not in the mood for you tonight. I don't know what I did. I just, I mean, I massaged his shoulders. That's how I saw him. Anyway, tell you what, we're going to do a band that I, I kind of discovered tonight, and I gotta be honest, I don't know if I can actually pronounce the name properly. You like Allison Chains, don't you, Paisan? Sure. Uh, this band's called Sicada Stone? I think it's the name. The, the, the album's called Cold Chamber. 
and I want to say the band's called Cicada Stone. C I C A S T O N E. Yeah, Cicada Stone. Cicada Stone. What does that mean? It's just what well, any fucking band names mean. But Cicada—that's a word. You've heard of cicadas? Yeah. So it's a stone. how hard was that? Was it something out of the Hobbit? I don't know, you just take two shit and put it together. It's like Beetle Bus. What the fuck does that mean? Beetle you can call bus. it whatever you want. They okay. just call it Cicada Stone. I guess they thought it was cool. So anyway, these guys sound... I swear to God, dude. I was like, am I listening to new Alice in Change? I look at my fucking stereo. I was like, it's Cicada Stone. Oh, sweet. So they're just kind of like an Alice in Change. Oh, dude, it's sound. really good. I was, I was like Lane Stanley from the grave and fucking Jerry Cantrell right there beside it. It sounded that good, so... Let's I'm check out the uh, song called Out of Sight off the cool. Cold Chamber record. Very solid, man. Very impressed. Let's do it. is, is um, there are other bands we've heard like this. There's uh, Nitro Gods, which are very clearly a direct ripoff of Motorhead. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other bands like these guys who sound, Cicada Stone sounds exactly like Alice in Chains. And I'm down with all of that shit. It, it'd be easy to go the other way and just be like, fuck that, the other band is the one that was the first, you're ripping them off, get your own sound. But when those bands, <clears throat> maybe that's the difference, when those bands are gone, and there's no more new material coming out of them, they're kind of still around. You know what I mean? Yeah. If true. these people are any good at what they're doing, the, the, I guess the only thing you really don't like is when someone tries to copy someone else and they suck at it. Right. If they copy right. them and they're good at it, it's like, that's kind of like still having the band around. It's kind of cool that way. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, it's an homage to those bands too, right? It's just like, yeah, yeah. They're not trying to, it's not like they're going to fool anyone and go, no, we're really, you know, motorhead. Ha ha. And, and get, and get the licensing and all the t-shirts and stuff. No, I mean, that, there, but it's obvious that if somebody sounds like that, we assume it's because you love that other band so much that everything you write sounds like that. I mean, it's like you want more of that in the world, so you're making it yourself. I think that's cool. 
Yeah. I didn't used to feel that way. I used to be in the other camp. I used to say, fuck those guys. But now I'm going like, you know what? More power to them. Go for it. As long as I they do a good you. job, go for it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, and again, like we said, kind of an homage to the bands that they love. And I mean, there's some bands you can say, hey, I'm good with that. You know, it's, it's bringing back, actually, so Motorhead's gone. So you got this other band that sounds like Motorhead. Alice in Chains is still there, but in a different form. But you have yeah. Cicada Stone, or Cicada Stone. Cicada and they're, Stone. like, carrying on the torch of classic Alice in Chains. Yeah. So. And that's cool. And then there's, uh, who else is like that? I think uh, House of Spirits which sounded kind of like a ripoff of Queensryche. A classic, you know, like uh, mind crime era right. uh, Queensryche, which I really dug that. I mean, like I said, I'm not against it. I'm kind of kind of down with that shit. So I would imagine it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe we haven't discovered him yet, or maybe you can think of somebody. It wouldn't surprise me if we come across a band who, if you didn't know any better, you'd swear, hey, somebody found a lost album from Whitesnake, like classic kick-ass yeah. Whitesnake. And it'd be like, you know what? Fucking great. Let's do it. You know, I'd be all about it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. As long as they do it, great. I mean, look at look at the Poison. You know, Talk Dirty to Me was clearly a ripoff of Cheap Trick, right? It's a very yeah. much a Cheap Trick sound. And I don't think they were trying to replace Cheap Trick. Not, not that no. sort of way, like what we're talking about. But, like I said, if you, if, you, if you do that, you take it as an homage to another band, and you sound good doing it, fucking go for it. That's cool with me. I agree. I mean, not a complete ripoff, but you're just really taking pieces of what those people uh, have created and then you're just like, hey, we like what you did, we're going to put our spin on it and here you go. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's not a complete rip-off. I mean, you think of like the the kind of Western civilization, there's that one part where Alice Cooper's like, there's a lot of people I'd like to hang up right now that sound ripped me off of the years. Again, I don't know. I mean, back in the day, you're thinking there were a lot of cookie cutter bands like that that were pretty much total ripoffs of the artist. But they, I mean, it's not like they were plagiarizing, or they he could have got them for like plagiarism. Um, That's but, the trick, I guess, is that when does something go into the realm of plagiarism? Right. And so, right. and so, I guess you know. I guess I guess it, what doesn't help is we. I can't think of any other word sound alike. I don't know what else to call them to say they rip it off. Rip it off implies you know you stole it, and I don't mean it like that. When I say right, right. what I mean is like if you didn't know better, you'd swear that was that band. Like when I was a kid, I heard for the first time "Crazy Little Thing Called Love" by Queen, right. and I could have sworn up and down that that was Elvis. They like oh they found like an old unreleased Elvis track. Cool. And uh, then I found out it was Queen. I was like, oh, cool. And then I started checking out Queen. And they had a whole bunch of other stuff to offer uh, that wasn't that. So you could say they're ripping off Elvis or something. It was that kind of a sound, you know, rockabilly kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it's not a ripoff like they stole it. It was an homage to that kind of sound. And they did a great job. Yeah. So, you know, Nitro Gods, like I said, that example, if you listen to that album, that one album that I, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but... Um, we, we use it all the time for, like, Halloween stuff. And, yeah. Uh, they're great because it's classic sort of, you know, ballsy, you know, rock and roll, like Motorhead. And they sound, the guy, clearly the singer's trying to sound like Lemmy. But that's probably because he really dug Motorhead. And it's, like, it, it's in everything he does. When he writes stuff, it just sounds like Motorhead. That's fine. He's not trying to pretend he's Motorhead. So what, what really is he guilty of, you know? Right. That's true. 
again, this or is the other one, Airborne. Airborne's like an ACDC ripoff. Yeah, totally. And like I said, again, we're using the name, rip, the word ripoff, but I don't mean like they stole anything. It's just they sound just like them. And it's that's great. It's hard to sound just like it. If I try to make a band and sound exactly like ACDC, I wouldn't be fooling anybody. Right. So, you know, more power to them. Told them. You know what, Paisan? So, what do you got? I'm thirsty. I bet. Mr. G, will you do something for me? Got a good one tonight. I always do, yeah. though. At least in my opinion. Uh-huh. I don't know about you thinking about my opinions. With these beers. Oh, I mean, you you enjoy your beer? That's great. I don't have a problem with it. I hear. I hear. All right, so here we go. Ah! Ah! Do you like that? No. I never like that, but you always do it. Oh my God, Paisan. Look at this party beer ball. Mm-hmm. You see that? I like that glass. Huh? I like that glass. Oh, it's really cool. Really cool. Great. I mean, it's four noses. I love four noses. So this one's yeah. the Extra Fuzzy uh-huh. from Equal Pots Brewing Company. Not much with the label still. I'm okay with it. You see over there. Yeah, they're doing like a weird sort of. Yeah. Like fuzzy, right? It's like it's fuzzy. all it's distorted extra. or something. It's not just fuzzy. It's extra fuzzy. Exactly, Holmes. You want me to read the deal on it? Lay it on me. We got here uh, an IPA, of course, uh, 8.2% ABV. And the description here says a heavily oated malt bill blended with a hint of lactose was used for the base. And then Simcoe and cashmere hops were layered over the top for additional candy-like fruitiness. If fuzzy was the milk left after your first bowl of cereal, then extra fuzzy is the milk left after your second bowl. And I don't think they put a lot of thought into that description. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, that's shit. But uh, I have no doubt that you're absolutely going to love this because you always do. But let's hear let's hear the details. All right, so uh, we poured the thing. It's freaking hazy, beautiful. Look at the fucking head and lacing on this bad boy. Now that's a serious. Most of these haven't had that lately, which is right. weird. The last several ones that we've had have not had something like this. So let's get the aroma. Now, interestingly, interesting. While you're sniffing it up, yeah. over here on the side of the can, I notice it says Imperial Oat Cream India Pale Ale. Yeah. Never, Never heard of such a thing. It's a new thing. They're putting oatmeal yeah. inside a beer. Ah, oh, now they used to do that with stouts, right? Like oatmeal stouts. Yeah, yeah. So now they're doing it with IPAs, yeah. I guess. Oh, dude. I wonder I what that does. Them. They make them extra yeah. creamy, a little bit more rich. Ah, okay. This so you've like, obviously had more this than actually the, just smells, this one. This smells like the cereal, like milk from like Captain Crunch, Crunch Berry. Okay, interesting. So, right. uh, 
Well, so sorry, I interrupted you. So you're, no, you're you fine. said on the scent. Uh, the scent's beautiful. The the appearance is beautiful. Probably Four no way so this far. Is gonna go. What a shock! Yep. A little clinkage. Uh-huh. And now I'm ready to hear you go. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> you would love this shit. Oh my dude, it's just like the description. It tastes like the milk from like Captain Crunch Berries with carbonation. Wow. It tastes well, the, so fucking good. <clears throat> here's a description from somebody on Untapped. He says, light nose, woody citrus, pineapple, medium body, pillowy, almost creamy, slightly peppery with more woody citrus. Finish is slightly astringent citrus, like grapefruit. Has an aftertaste like honeydew melon rind. Interesting brew. Any oh, of wow. that sound like what you're hitting over there? Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah. Very citrusy. It tastes delicious, like, man. Nice and creamy. Mm-mm-mm. Jonathan, hit the horn, sir. <laughs> yeah, I he's been watching what Star did I Trek. Tell you? Oh, yeah? Yeah, so he's been doing a lot of Captain Kirk shit lately. I see. Why can't he spend more time with you? Oh, I think we know that because I'm smart. <laughs> so, Paisan, you want to play us play a song before we get into a story uh sure shall i throw one your way yes sir yes sir hey what did we already play some sammy bowler who maybe not sammy bowler <laughs> is this uh he's this uh shredder guy mm-hmm. uh favors the less paul and uh, he looks kind of, I don't know, for some reason he kind of reminds me, in some ways, I was jamming to some of his stuff earlier, sort of like old Ian Moore stuff we used oh, to Oh, nice. So he's just one of those guys that's, you know, very easy rocking, knows, knows how to find a good groove, right? Mm-hmm. But he's very, you know, it's all instrumental stuff, so he doesn't sing, but, at least so far. But uh, this motherfucker can shred, dude. And uh, it sounds great. So I think you should give a listen to it. The uh, latest uh, that he put out, I think it came out in April, and I think it's just a single. I don't think it's a new album. Uh, maybe it's a forthcoming album, but this one's called Ritual Lights. Let's do it.
Nice, Holmes. Well, what you got over there? Actually, our, we had a listener. Um, you'll never guess who. What do they say? When he talks, he has a like a. What are you talking? Okay. I think I get you. You know what I'm talking about? Snake. Yeah. Our buddy Snake. Yeah, you could you could just say it. Yeah. <laughs> we could get over it, mate. Get over it. <laughs> All right. So, um, trying to find where he texted me. Where is this? Oh, I see you were still at the time. Yeah. I thought it was today, but it must have been yesterday. I'll talk to. Oh, there it is. All right. So, um, okay. <clears throat> A good question or topic is I've seen Spotify on many artists' pages to make a contribution. He brings this up after the David Reedman interview that we just posted. They okay. can make it go anywhere, also to themselves. So I get do do artists get paid by Spotify if you like pay the fee to just listen to their channel? I think that's where uh, Snake's going with this. I don't know. I'm still not quite even sure what you're saying. So you're so, saying. He's basically like, like saying. It, so if yeah. an artist has a channel on Spotify, Pandora, one of these. Sure. Is there. Do they get a benefit financially from having their own Spotify pages or own Pandora pages? <clears throat> and do you see it fit as a fan to say. Okay, I've got your catalog, but I want to listen to your music streaming because I don't have an iPod anymore. I don't have the CD player in the car. Do I need to pay you more money to be able to hear your tunes exclusively, say it's $4 a month or whatever it is, to buy, say, the DGM channel or the Dream Theater channel or the Iron Maiden channel or the Juice Priest channel? I don't know why anyone would want to do that. To say avoid the commercials, so a lot of these well, that, are, that's why you'd get a subscription to Spotify, sure. But but why would you do it just to get the, those channels and not all of Spotify? But do the artists get paid for that, or is it just Spotify, where they're paying know. some sort of royalty to the record company, think, and maybe the artist gets a little bit? That's the thing. I think in order to be on Spotify, theoretically, the reason you pay Spotify for a subscription. Is so they uh, is so they can pay the royalties to whoever get. If yeah. you're paying some, if you're playing somebody's song, they're somehow going to get royalties. How much of that you know goes to record company versus them or whatever? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I guess every contract's different. But the bottom line is because this is true anywhere, right? Theoretically, at a concert venue, when you go there and you pay the ticket to see them, you know, I think part of the money goes to. There's like, you got to pay the the FTC or whatever, a certain amount of money, it's almost like a tax for the, for the fact that they're playing songs that are copyrighted songs or something like that, as I understand it. Right. I could be wrong. If someone out there knows better, let us know. But So in any case, uh, yeah, because it's music that's owned by a record company, basically, at some point, um, they get a chunk every time that song gets played, like on the radio. Right? On the radio, the old days, you'd listen to a song. Every time that got played, I think you know the company was getting money, and of course some of that money goes to the artist. Probably a little tiny portion of it, but nonetheless. So Spotify I don't think is any different. It's essentially an online radio station. Um, but my thing, my point was, it's like, that's fine. I assume they get something. But I don't know why... I, one, I don't even know if this is true, but even if it is, why would you 
pay just to have the DGM channel. It's like saying, I'm going to pay for satellite radio, but I only want one station and it's metal. I don't want any of the other stations. It's like, well, they come with the subscription. What do you give a shit? Just don't listen to them. Right. Why would I just get that one one artist? Because then it's like, if that's true, then it's like, all right, so it's four bucks or whatever, let's say, for the sake of argument, to get DGM. But I also want Iron Maiden. Well, there's another four bucks. Oh, and I also want to listen to Van Halen. There's another four. Why the fuck would I do that if I just pay the eight bucks or whatever for Spotify and I get all of those channels? But, yeah, and I guess it's... So you're not making sense to me. Well, no, I I don't know the system so well, right? So Okay, then I don't think that's how it works. Well, I know on Pandora, if I, like, say, I want to listen to DGM radio. So DGM right. is the main band I'll hear, like, every third or fourth song. I've done right. that with like and the other Beach bands that sound like them. Right. But I, I'm too cheap to pay anything. So right. I just do the commercials and just say, okay, whatever. It is what it is. Right. But and I, I don't know. I didn't have this conversation with Snake to say, kind of really dive into what he was thinking there. Uh, but <clears throat> what I think you're thinking is if I'm not paying, you're one of the guys that's not paying for a subscription. Yeah. So no money's going to Pandora. So is any money going to the artist in that case? Right, right. I think they're still getting paid. They probably get some set amount, and maybe even over that, depending on how much play they get. Like if everybody on Spotify is only listening to DGM, for instance, right? Then clearly, it seems to me DGM should get a lot more money than what they would get otherwise. Sure, sure, and that's what I'm thinking but, too. Right, and I would think the exact a very similar thing is going on at Pandora. Any streaming service is essentially a radio station, and it probably works just like the traditional radio station setup. Right. where there's a set amount of money that gets paid for royalties, and then that means the artists are taken care of, and now the station can play whatever they want, I guess. Well, that, that's a fucked up thing, at least for me and Pandora, and that's, I haven't really messed with Spotify, but with Pandora, I've seen where I was like, I want to hear the DGM channel, and they're like, well, here's one DGM, and then you listen to all these other people. It's like, that's want to hear DGM. There's no option for that that I've found. Oh, Not that you know, Pandora. Yeah, you're right. Much, you're right. right. You're right. I've done that where I put in, yeah, I go to Pandora, I put in Iron Maiden and it brings, well, there's your artist. You bring up Iron Maiden, you play it. They play an Iron Maiden song right after that. They go to some other band. Yeah, you're yeah. like, wait a minute. I didn't put in that other band. I put in Iron Maiden. Right. And that's why, one of the reasons why I quit listening to Pandora. I got tired of that. So is Spotify said, different? Yeah, Spotify is when, if they've, they only have, they don't have everything. They only have whatever they have. I don't know what that arrangement is. Right. So like, you know, if you give a certain, go to a certain artist, like say Symphony X, they don't necessarily, I'm not, and I don't know for certain, I'm just saying this uh, in general, they don't necessarily have all of Symphony X's albums. They have maybe half of them. And so that's great. But if you want, you can pull up that one album, one of the albums that they have and listen to that track after track straight through if you want to. I got you. Yeah. So... That's what I do, and then, in fact, that's what I would do for a while when we were going to concerts back, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, is if we were going to like Devin Townsend, right? I'd go to Spotify, and I would pull up all of Devin Townsend's stuff that they have. I don't know if that's all of their albums, but all of the songs that I saw were on the set list from Setlist.fm. I would find those songs in in on Spotify and add them to a new playlist. Oh, so you and can then make I would a just playlist. Yeah. Yeah, Spotify. and then I would just listen to that playlist. You can't do that on Pandora, though, right? That's why I think, in that case, Spotify is superior to Pandora. I didn't gotcha. used to like Spotify. I used to be a Pandora guy. 
And then I started seeing all these features that Spotify has that Pandora doesn't have. And I think that's a mistake for Pandora. Yeah. Uh, and so I switched over to Spotify. And for a brief period, I think like a month as a trial, I went ahead and paid the subscription. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem all that different. See, I think what we're thinking, if you think about it, what makes sense is if you are li- listening to the uh, commercials because you won't pay for the subscription. Yeah. The commercials are what pay for the royalties. Right. Yeah. So probably the amount of money taken in by the ad people for the commercials is equal to a monthly subscription if you were to just pay the subscription. So it's like you can either pay us the money and we'll cut with the commercials or don't pay us the money and the ad people will pay us the money and you got to listen to their commercials. So it's either way, everybody gets their money. Yeah, I hear that. I don't give a shit about commercials myself, so I I don't pay for it. I I don't pay for anything online if I can help it. Yeah, fuck that. Just because I'm a cheap bastard. Me too. And my thing is, if you're putting it up free anyway, then why the hell should I pay for it? Right. You know what I mean? If I uh, if I can turn on my TV and get free channels, like all of them, for whatever reason, because you're sending it, like when HBO does a free weekend or whatever, it's like, as soon as the weekend's, I'll watch all the movies, as soon as the weekend's over, it's like, all right, fuck it, I'm going to pay for HBO, and then it just goes away, but I'm like, I don't care. That's what I did with satellite radio. I got a really cheap deal for SiriusXM for like six months, I paid a set price, and at the end of six months, I was like, fine, go. Get, get rid of it and it went away and they bugged the shit out of me to continue but I was like fuck you I don't want to because then you'll go back to charging me the regular shit rates that I don't want to pay right so I blew that off I'm, I'm really cheap about that shit I, I watch a lot of people on Twitch and they're always like subscribe to my channel and I was like I'm not giving you any fucking money you're streaming for free why should I pay you yeah fuck you and maybe that makes me a cheap bastard and maybe artists who put out content go well fuck you you're the well, maybe artists who put out content think, well, you're the worst kind of guy. I don't want you. I want the guys that will pay me because that's what I do it for. I'm like, okay. But you gave me the content for free. That's right. not my fault. That's your fault. So why am I the bad guy? Right. But, you know, I've been tempted sometimes to pay for stuff when if I really like something and I really appreciate it, it's like, you know what? I'm going to throw some money your way because you deserve it. Right. I, I think that was kind of where Snake was going because when David was talking, he's trying to finance his solo record. And mm-hmm. he put a GoFundMe up and basically said, hey, if you give me so much money, amount of money, you get the album in a free digital download. Yep. If you pay more, you get the bonus plan. So you get yeah, the you get extra shit. You get the posters. You get the whole nine yards. And, and there's some people, it's like, you give me enough money, I'll personally call you on a, on a, uh, a Zoom call and we'll chat for an hour. Well, yeah, I see that all the David time. Say, he goes, I guess I'll like show up in like, play in your living room or something like that, man. I was like... Some people do that. Like Maytal Cohen, that drummer chick. Yeah. She has that all the time. Whenever she's got a new album, she goes on to uh, to uh, GoFundMe or whatever mm-hmm. and says, hey, guys, my fans out there, I'm getting ready to do a new album. I need about... And she'll put up a little, you know, put up a, like a spreadsheet that says, look, I need about this much money to make this album. Yeah. So I'm taking donations. If I meet that goal... Then here's the stuff, you know, the rewards or whatever you get for being one of those people that's that did that. Right. Same with uh, a Sound of Thunder; they do the same thing. And I bet a lot of people do that we don't even realize. Yeah. And you know, I'm like, you know what? That's fine. You're not you're not stealing the money from me. People are volunteering to give it to you. You're giving them something in return. You're not just like, here's an album, get out of here. You're like, you're willing to give them signed autograph shit or special things that you wouldn't get through a store. Right. And like, that's fine. I think that's a really fine. I like how that's evolved in the internet age from what it used to be. It's gotten better than what it used to be. And you see, you used to do, you used to do kind of that stuff because you're the guy that would go to all these record companies online 
you'd buy albums and you usually get the deal where it's like get the CD and a T-shirt or something. Century Media. Yeah, you were doing that shit all and the time. Metal Blade, both. Yeah, and this is just another version of that. It's just they, except they're getting their money. They like they can't make the album unless yeah. they get enough money from the people. Right. And you know, like that's fine. Uh, go for it, man. More power to you. I well, it's the same sort of thing. And that's another thing that Snake pointed out in the interview, which was you know David mentioned was you know if I sell my music to one of these big record companies, not that any of them are huge anymore that are supporting his music, but for the sake of our argument like a Frontiers or somebody like that or AFM it's like alright we get the rights to the music for five years but after that it's yours again so I we're like basically deal. renting your music for five years we'll pay you up front but after that it's yours again so that's the thing. I like this new way because I think what it does is it's all ending that tyranny of those record companies. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, they were the fucking Olympic gods. You know, oh, yeah, it's totally. like you couldn't, they, nothing happened except unless they said it was okay and, and they controlled everything. And in my opinion, they were just ripping off those artists. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to say they're the devil and that the artists didn't have a choice. So, you know, they could have walked away from the deal. Yeah, they could have walked away from the deal if they wanted to, these artists. But back then, that was the only game in town. The only way you got an album done is you got a record comp- a record contract with a big record company, and you had to whatever they called all the shots. Unless you were now, a cash cow like a Guns N' Roses or a Molly Crew or a Bon Jovi. Sure. Yeah, but you had to get to that right. point. You had to become a Guns N' Roses first, and you couldn't do that without a record company. Right. So that's the thing. You were kind of trapped. True. What I like about the way it works now with the Internet and all the way everything's blown up, you don't need a record company anymore. You can publish it yourself. Right. And that's what I like about these Indiegogo and these GoFundMe pages where the artists are realizing let's the, the, a Sound of Thunder does everything themselves. They do all the artwork. You know, they get all the artwork together. They work with an artist. They do. Uh, and then they get to call all the shots with all of their uh, stuff that they create. And I say, that's great because the old way sucked, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, I think that's uh, cool, and I like it. And uh, I don't know if that means we go to a song or another. It's time for a song, and I want to bring up something because I was so impressed with this. Um, Uh I bought the brand new Cheap Trick record. Believe it or not. Oh, oh, you just did it. You're like, oh, interesting. Uh No, it's actually. It just. I hadn't listened to much of it. I heard the first single, and I was Uh like, eh, it's all right. But this song came on, and I'm like, fuck me. So I think the first single I heard was called The Summer Looks Good on You. And it was okay, nothing special. But then I had this song came on in my car, and it was classic cheap trick. I'm like, fucking hey, dude. Because the last few records have not been that good. Let's just be honest. Not very strong. And you know, that happens, I think. In, In bands that have been around as long as cheap trick's been around... Yeah. It's rare that their output in the current day, you know, 30 years of putting out albums, that it's still as good as that old stuff. I mean, right. you just can't maintain that momentum forever. True. So I heard the song, and I was like, fuck, yes. So I got to check out the whole record. It's just on the iPod. just loaded it up. And uh, let's check it out. New Cheap Trick. You didn't stop to notice 
love it. Very Classic nice, fucking man. Rick Nielsen, this like little cool riff. Robin Zander sounds fucking amazing. I love the trick Holmes. I know, dude. It's, it's classic old school rock and roll. Yes, sir. I like that uh, all the boys are still still doing it. Yeah. You know, Rick Rick is old. Uh, Robin's old. I mean, they're getting up there, but they're still they're still sounding pretty good. Yeah. Danny Keaton looks great on the bass. What, you making jokes over there? I said Diane Keaton looks great on the bass. <laughs> Why do you got to keep giving him shit, Holmes? He looks like Diane. He looks like Diane Keaton. We, we've established this. <laughs> he Rick does. Son he on the does. drums. Booney. I don't yeah. know what Booney's doing, Holmes. See now, why do you keep saying that? It, 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 it's B U N N Y, right? Or is it bunny? Any person, any person on the planet sees that and says that's the word bunny, like bunny rabbit. But you always say Booney. Is that because his name is Boonicello or something? Or? I want to say they used to call him Booney Carlos. No alive. way. Alive. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it's a stage name. Who names her son oh. Bun? No, no, no. But if if your if your name is uh, your stage name is B U N N Y, why no, the no, fuck it's would not you pronounce B U N N Y? It's B U N, and then the letter E, Carlos. Like his middle initial oh, like is Bun E. Carlos. Yeah, like Egbert. I'm gonna look this up. Bun cause... Egbert Carlos. Because I cause, well, I totally get that it's it's maybe a made up stage name. Oh, like maybe you it's say. Ignacio. It's got a Spanish. With an e. to you know Ignacio is spelled with an I, right? Not, not with Boonie. <laughs> no, he spelled it different. <laughs> He's an artist. He's an artist. <laughs> Could be Let's Egbert up, Holmes. Uh, I want to see this guy, Bunny Collins. Because you're right, I see what you're saying, Bunny. So his name is, his name is Brad M. Carlson, and so he's better known by the stage name Bun E. Carlos. But I have no idea why the. I don't, why, why he could have just been Brad Carlson? Like, why did he's like? I got no. I need to change it, <laughs> and I'm not going to change it radically. I'm not going to be Lemmy. I'm just going to be something a little different. Yeah. Like, what the fuck would you do that? It sounds cooler, mate. So let's. I want to see this formation. Make sure, I just want to see his fucking name. <laughs> what does the E stand for? That's an excellent question because I was like, why in the hell do you go by this goofball name? Egbert. If, if your name is, stop saying Egbert. Uh, it just says Carlson now adopted the stage name in his early musical career, Bun E. Carlos. But it just doesn't explain why the hell he's called that. I got that's gonna be like this mystery that's gonna haunt me for like <laughs> the rest of my life. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go deep down a rabbit hole tonight, just searching for article after article to find out why the fuck he's called Bun E. Carlos. <laughs> Because it doesn't make any sense. Your homework for the next show, Holmes. But still, if you think about it, like, who cares why? Like you said, it's a stage name. So his first name is quote unquote Bun, right? Yeah. Like Hot Cross Bun. And then it's got the letter E, like it's an initial. And then Carlos. Yeah. I'd still say Bunny Carlos. I wouldn't say Boone. I don't know what that. Because then why didn't he just make his name B U O O B O O N E Carlos Boony Carlos? That what, would make more sense. Where did he come up with Bun? Well, who gives a shit? He just thought it was clever, I guess. Would it be like a hot dog bun or like a hamburger bun? All right. Know. See, this, these are the mysteries we got. We is he still alive? Can we interview this guy? 
That seems like a reasonable thing. That's a good homework assignment for Gladys. Fucking Gladys might knock it out of the park, and we'll know next show. She'll have tax records and everything for the she mother. Like, How'd you track this shit down? She don't fuck around. <laughs> so, uh, an interesting story here uh, about Eddie Van Halen. Of course, he you know passed away. Yes, sir. And of course, there's been all these tributes. Well, apparently, according to Blabbermouth, there's a report that a proposed Eddie Van Halen plaque in Pasadena cannot contain his likeness. Or his Frankenstrat guitar. Really? Yeah, like, but that's kind of the signature stuff. That's like, I'm going to yeah. do a statue to Jimi Hendrix, but I'm not allowed to put an afro on him or show a Stratocaster. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what the fuck he's famous for. Right. Like, what are you talking about? So let's see here. It says, according to Pasadena Now, a memorial honoring legendary Van Halen guitarist Eddie Van Halen in his former hometown of Pasadena, California, appears to be moving forward. Two Pasadena women who embarked on an effort to commemorate Eddie's life said earlier this week that they met with a city official and an official with the Pasadena Center operating company. After raising $6,500 through donations from fans from around the world, Rhonda Schmafeld and Julie Kimura were invited to design a plaque honoring the iconic Axeman. Wait a minute. For $6,500, you just get a plaque? That should get like a statue. Yeah. Like a plaque, I can get that for like attendance or something. So anyway, the proposed plaque, which due to legal issues cannot contain Van Halen's likeness or his famous Frankenstrat guitar, would be installed near the city convention center, which is next to the Civic Auditorium, where Van Halen played a number of times between 1975 and 1978. I don't understand why they're saying this it says here's a quote van halen's epic rise from local garage band to hometown heroes to international superstars is nothing short of incredible said schmaffield we are so delighted that van halen will be recognized with a plaque celebrating the band's pasadena roots and the important role that the pasadena civic auditorium played in the band's early success we're delighted to make this significant donation and celebration of edward van halen's extraordinary talent and in honor of van halen's pasadena roots but why the hell are they not allowed to uh, copyright stuff? In it? I maybe. Guess it's, yeah, it's got to be I copyrights. Mean, surely his likeness mm. isn't copyrighted. I mean, what if somebody took a picture of him at a concert? They got to pay fucking royalties. I mean, there's his no, likeness. No, but I mean, if he he copyrighted the. I mean, you see the tennis shoes and all that shit with the the the, the Frankenstein. Yeah, because that's a unique design. Yeah. That he created, but he didn't create his face. He's born with it. True. I don't know how you can copyright that. Yeah, sure, I'm sure a legal get, person. Hey, hey, let me get Colin on the phone. There you go. Fucking Colin's going to straighten you out, Genghis. Sure. <laughs> he will. <laughs> what was you doing? Like, when Dad gets home, you're going to be in so much trouble. What are Dude, you doing? Do you know how, many shit he, how much shit he's fucking copyrighted from our show? Well, I doubt he copyrighted Eddie Van Halen stuff. Colin, really? <laughs> I wouldn't like, put it past him. him. No shit. Even shit he doesn't know and he's got a copyright. It doesn't say anything in this article. This is kind of weird. That, but I guess we're meant to believe that that's the deal. That because of it, uh, because of things being copyrighted. But I'm like, what is the point of having a plaque and going through all this trouble 
getting donations from around the world. I mean, I'm not trying to say they're running a scam or anything, but $6,500, I mean, is the plaque the size of a fucking Buick or something? Why would it cost $6,500? I mean, your typical plaque's what? like? So where's it going to be? Where are they going to put this thing? They're just going to put it like by the fucking Civic Auditorium. You know what? It could cost that much. I mean, what are they going to make it out of? Like bronze Oh, or you mean because they got to get like permits and shit like that yeah. from the city maybe or something yeah. like that? I don't yes. think that's yeah, a I mean, stab. I don't think that's a real grab for money. Okay. I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to accuse them of anything. I don't know these people. They're probably really nice people. Yeah. Just a couple of chicks who are trying to get him commemorated, which is funny because it's like, I don't think anyone's going to forget the guy. No. You know, and probably somewhere. I mean, maybe even you know the, what would the, be cooler if they had a statue of like Eddie, yeah. like in the guitar. Hey, totally, which like what they do with the uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan in Austin, or the, even the in uh, like Montreux with uh, Freddie Mercury. There's right. a statue or, uh, of him in Montreux. Phil Linet over yeah. in uh, Ireland. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen that statue there in Dublin. Yeah. I think that's awesome, and I think, and I bet you it's still going to get done somewhere. Somebody's going to make it, and yeah. it's probably that one will be officially endorsed by the Van Halen family. So, I mean, what you era get their of Van Halen would you? I would almost say like the Van, maybe Van Halen two, or maybe, hmm, maybe Van Halen two ish era. Anything? Yeah. Like long-haired Eddie Van Halen, you mean? Or you, you go all the way through Def- Diver Down. Yeah, definitely long-haired Eddie. See, I got here. I want to send you a picture in the Discord over in the general chat mm-hmm. and show you. This is the one I would use. Let me paste it right in there so you can see. Where just a classic, him with the long hair, him uh, leaning back with his guitar and doing like some crazy tapping shit. You know that we always had that big sort of, you know, happy grin on his face, oh, yeah. you know? See that? It's coming, man. Oh yeah, you're right there. That's See, like something uh, like that. That's you know? like him leaning back. Diver down era, maybe okay. tinkering in the uh, uh, fair fair warning. Uh, Not women yeah. and children first. Yeah, that's more. That's more diver down. Okay, but uh, that, that to me that's classic Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, you know, totally. If you had to, it's one image of Eddie Van Halen and what he represented. That was him. Because later on, when he had his Ernie Ball, right, the uh, yeah. the Wolfgang guitar, that was a great guitar and all. But everyone really, his fame was really the classic Frankenstrat look. Oh yeah, totally, totally. So I got I a story for you. What you got? So I just want to get your opinion on something. And, and you and I knowing a lot about music, and you get with somebody that's around our age group. And they may think they know as much about music as we do, but they really don't. And then they give you a false fact, and you're like, well, you just like go with it, or do you say, oh, no, you're wrong. So let me, this is my scenario. So I was talking to a guy, and he goes, I understand you like music. I said, yeah. He goes, I want to show you my Spotify list. I was like, hold on, I'm going to grab my iPod. And got like five thousand songs on the iPod, and yeah. all these bands and stuff like that. And he's like, okay. So as he looks at it, he makes it through maybe the C's or something like that. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at his, and it was it's a mixed bag. Now, I respect yeah. that. I mean, he had like I think Nat King Cole, and they had like Danzig or 
you know, so a nice band, eclectic mix. Yeah, yeah. bands, bands I'm not really into. More '90s bands, and uh, he goes, "Man, I love Van Halen." I like, oh, dude, fucking love Van Halen too. He goes, "I saw them on the album it was Dance the Night Away, which we both know was Van Halen too, mm-hmm. and in 1976." Okay. Okay. So. If that was said to you, what would you say? Because me knowing me, Van Halen one came out in nineteen seventy eight. So Van Halen two, which he referenced, he saw in nineteen seventy six, is impossible. Correct, unless there was like time (laughs) travel or something like that. You're right. So So I think I think he just misremembered. Yeah, because I assume you just misremembered. Or do you just say, dumbass, it came out in 1979. You're incorrect. I know more than you about Van Halen. (laughs) That's that's the thing. To me, it's like, I don't need to prove that to anybody. I was a bigger guy. I said, no. Oh, that's awesome. You saw it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the way to handle it. Again, it was a year thing. Just like you said, he didn't remember right. I'm like, oh, God, if I saw on Van Halen, too. How insane would that be? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look at it this way: we, you, and I. I mean, I hear it all the time for me, and that is, I miss say shit on the show all the time. I'll be listening to the podcast, and I go, "What the fuck was I thinking? That was the other album, and I just got it wrong. I wasn't trying to fool anybody." Oh, we, and I'm we not both trying, do it. We both. Yeah, do it. it's just it's a simple We're mistake. I assume that's what he. Shit. Yeah, I just assume that's what he did. That's fine. But if he's like some total dick at a party who's trying to like show off or no, something, no, this guy was being like, totally cool, and and that's yeah, why I didn't then, say yeah. nothing. I just left no need to call him out. Yeah, no, no, no. But if it was a show off, like I know everything, I was like, no, you don't. And do you? Yeah. I t- I'll tell you this: I got in an argument when ex-wifey and I were together with the drummer from Y&T about uh-huh. memory, and then I uh-huh. let it go, and I was irritated. I pissed him off. Because I knew what I was talking about. He didn't. And granted, this guy tours a lot, plays a lot of places, but didn't remember Rock the Bite. And I did. And he swore to God that fucking Tesla played on that bill, and they did not play on that bill. And I said, no, they didn't (laughs) play. He goes, yeah, they did. And he got like right. pissy with me about it. I said, no, I was there. I covered it. A media thing. It was my first big media thing. They were there. Like that. I was like, well, maybe they were. I didn't remember. And XYB's like, he was being a dick. She goes, are you sure you know what you're talking about? I was like, fuck yeah, I was there for fucking three and a half days. <laughs> fucking, I've never seen Tesla live. They were fucking not there. Was, That's oh. wild. So he insists that they were there, and they simply weren't. He stopped talking to us after that. He got so pissed that he insisted that Tesla was there, and I told him, no, they weren't. I was like, dude, I'm fucking Houston. You tour the fucking planet. I yeah. kind of remember, because that was my biggest thing ever. I live here. I mean, it's what I do when I go see you people. I know who's on the bill. <laughs> But if you ask me, somebody I saw in the 80s who opened up for, uh, you know, Rat in 1986, it's Bon Jovi. But maybe I didn't remember that, you know. <laughs> or I do, who opened but up for ACDC on the Fly on the Wall tour? I don't remember, but I was yeah. there. Well, that, uh, believe me, I don't remember half the shit I did. I don't remember shit I did last week. 
but I remember that Rock the Bayou thing because it was a, such a special event for me. I didn't even drink that weekend because of a long story. But I didn't drink, and I remember everything. And it was such a beautiful, awesome experience for me. I'm not going to forget that Tesla played there. I've never seen him. Except for, I saw him on TV once, and unfortunately, Jeff Keith was having a bad night. He well, see, that's the thing. Good. That's the thing. These guys, you know, they like you said, they travel all the time. I, mean, I would imagine if I were a rocker, I, I wouldn't be able to tell one city apart from the next. You know, they all probably blend together. So I could easily misunderstand that right. stuff or misremember it. And also, too, I don't think he was trying to, you know, he was probably drinking. And, then he, and I doubt he was trying to, like, pull one over on you. I think he just honestly believed it and he was just wrong. It's not that big a deal. But but I get it. He was wrong. <laughs> that, yeah. And, so, and some people are like that. I've been like that before, so I'll admit it. So maybe he's just having a bad night or something. Huh, I don't know. Maybe so. And again, yeah, I didn't want to come off like the dick fan, but I was just like, no, you're wrong, dude. <laughs> That's just funny that it was so important to you to just like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'll be like, whatever, dude. My you thing is me, like, dude. when you are we going to stop talking? It's like, just next. Dude, when it comes you know, when it comes to music, you know me. I, I just don't give up. If I really know something and I'm sure I know it, I, I just fight to, be you fair, to the finish. Yeah, and to be fair, I'm that way about other things. When yeah, I yeah. know what I'm talking about and I know I'm right, I'm not gonna let it go. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Well, here's an interesting thing. What you got? Uh, uh, did you know that Iron Maiden? And the Foo Fighters are currently among the 2021 Rock Hall of Fame uh, fan vote leaders. Hmm. So this is off Loudwire. It says here uh, there's just over two weeks left in the fan voting for an official ballot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. And at present, Iron Maiden and Foo Fighters would make the cut, though their inclusion in this point is far from a lock. Fans can vote through May 7th for the official Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fan ballot with the top five entries being submitted as part of the overall ballot count for the 2021 Rock Hall class. At present, Iron Maiden sits in fourth place with 354,000 votes, while Foo Fighters closely trailed them in fifth with 341,000 votes. Both are within striking distance of the Go-Go's, who sit in third place with 368,000 votes. But Carol King, with 327,000 votes, is the closest competitor currently not on the fan ballot. The top two entries are Tina Turner, with over 500,000 votes, and Afrobeat artist Fela Kuti, with 480,000 votes. I have no idea who that is. But what's amazing is, and I'll never get this, I have to admit to you, I know one song by the Foo Fighters. Yeah. That's it. And while I don't have a dislike of Dave Grohl, I have no idea why so many people fucking love Foo Fighters so much. They act like they're like they're Nirvana, basically. You know what I mean? Nirvana deserves people's respect and like, holy shit, yeah, fucking Nirvana. I mean, if you're not a grunge guy, I understand. My point is, they're more famous, in my opinion, and more talented than Foo Fighters ever fucking was. But they act like Foo Fighters are fucking Led Zeppelin or something. I'll give this to Nirvana in that I do not like their music, but... They did create, help create a genre and put it on the map, basically. So I give them that, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's I, noteworthy. That that's a times. historical yeah, The thing historical about note. Foo Fighters, and I think it's more even, not even the music that they put out, I think it's more about how cool Dave Grohl is. 
Yeah, I think that's and really all it is. Uh, you hit it. Yeah. He gets a lot of fucking mad respect because he's <laughs> he puts out the music he does, but he's a mad metal dude, just a very good seems like a really good dude and just very musical and stuff like that and people have he has a lot of people's respect. As far as the Poop Fighters changing the face of music, I don't know about that. But and I maybe and yes. To be fair, the Go Go's yes. Tina yeah. Turner, yes. Whoever and the other fair, one was, I don't, I don't even know who that is. Right, but to be fair, I don't think that's what gets you into the Rock and right, Roll Hall right, of Fame. I, agree. I don't think that's the point. So that that doesn't matter to me. What I'm saying is, uh, if first of all, yeah, Foo Fighters, as far as I, I mean, how long have they been around? They 20 probably, years? It's probably their first time to be on the ballot. Right, and, and what do you 20, have to be yet? 20, 25 years or something like that? It's either 20 or 30 years, I think. I don't At think least it's 20 25. or 25 and that's the thing, they're that old? I didn't know they were that old. Me neither. I feel like they're the last 10 years or something. No, they've been around longer than that. Oh, okay. I would say maybe 20 years. Okay. But, but it's like as soon as 20 years, boom, they're ready to go. It's like, motherfucker, Iron Maiden's been around like twice as long. But out of all the people you mentioned, Maiden, Go-Go's, and Tina Turner. Yeah, Go-Go's, eh, I guess, you know, it, Dude, it's they like They really kind of got chick rock music going back in the 80s yeah that's the thing i was going to say while they're really more kind of the pop side of things yeah. it's it i think it certainly fits into the rock and roll category but tina turner's not rock and roll. i don't think she's rock and roll um i would maybe consider r&b or something rock yeah back, back in the 60s she was more rocking back then i guess yeah With like the proud mary and stuff yeah that's um, a good point not heavy rock like we think of heavy rock you know but, but you're again, right it's the rock and roll hall of fame's not really like, just all rock either right right buddy holly for instance is technically rock and roll even though he's nothing like motorhead or anything right but so, yeah she fair. was pretty influential i would i would give it to t i'm surprised she's not in that shocks me actually um, so that, so that's my point you keep saying that is that one of the criteria you have to be influential yeah oh okay i didn't know that I just thought if you've been around long enough and sold a certain amount of albums no, or something, you're automatically... In, it's influential is what they say, so... Oh, okay, I, I didn't Iron Maiden, Judas Priest... Then, yeah, see, Foo Fighters, how fucking influential are they? I don't I don't know. I think it's just yeah. because Dave Grohl's got the name, he's a good dude, he does a lot for rock and roll, but Foo Fighters huh. as an entity, as a band, have they really yeah. just really pushed the envelope for music I mean, and influenced music. a ton of people? No, yeah. not so much. They're not, they're not bad. They got yeah. talent. But I, but to me, they're just like any other generic rock band that's been around. Right. So, whatever. And I tell you what, I, I mean, don't you know, own an album from them. They've never, like, blown yeah. me away to, like, I gotta buy that record. Music's okay. I'll listen to it on the radio. Am I going to buy it or look for it on yeah. Spotify or Pandora like we just talked about? No. Right. I just know that one song that look at the da, 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 whatever that song is. I don't know the name. Of that. I don't even know the name of the fucking song. It's got a nice you know melody. Yeah, it's to got it. a good beat. Yeah. But it's basic you know generic rock music. Yeah. You know, sure. As far as I'm concerned. Anyway, that's fine. I'm not trying to bag on. Foo Fighters. I just think that's weird when you have somebody who's a bona fide classic like Iron Fucking Maiden, and well, then right next to him is Foo so Fighters. Many fucking bands and Judas Priest has influenced so many fucking bands. Well, this is and that's that's what gets us into the next. Uh, right under that on Loudwire, they say here are rock and metal acts that deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thirty-three acts who deserve to be in there, starting with Motorhead. Yeah, and then Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Pantera, Megadeth, 
Allison Chains, Ronnie James Dio, Ozzy Osbourne. These fuckers aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I thought Ozzy was. Oh, hey, guy. No. What? <laughs> you, you forgot to mention Johnny and the Jock Straps. They're on the ballot, too. Sure, they are. You see Johnny and the Jock Straps up there, Genghis? Of course I know. <laughs> I'm not even going to look at it. He said he was going to make it happen. Ah, well, maybe you need to talk to him. <laughs> call, call it. Yeah. On the highlight now. He's going to make it happen. So, Ozzy Osbourne, Soundgarden, Motley Crue, Scorpions, Anthrax, Slayer, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. See, I think Smashing Pumpkins are bigger than fucking Foo Fighters. Yeah. And they're not even that big, but I think they're bigger than fucking Foo Fighters. I'm not a fan of them, but I can see how I did see where there were other bands that were influenced by them with their music and stuff. So, after that, Boy Oyster Cult. Oh, damn. Faith no I more. I can't believe they're not in there. That's what I mean. I mean, I'm assuming that they're on this list because they're not in there, yeah. and I'm surprised. But Faith No More, Sammy Hagar, The Melvins, Ministry, Joe Satriani. You better fucking... Well, dude, Ministry pretty much in, invented industrial, industrial metal, metal, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, industrial metal. Corn, uh, Dead Kennedys. You don't have corn without ministry. Good point. Jane's Addiction. Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy's not in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Come on, dude. Unbelievable. Jethro Tull. Bad Brains. King Crimson. Ted Nugent. The the Pixies. Yeah, the Pixies. Uriah Heep. Bad Company. I mean... Wow, Bad Company's not even in there? Damn. I'm telling you, man. It's like I can't believe these guys are not in fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, and surprising. all those guys deserve to be in before fucking Foo Fighters. Oh, no disrespect to Foo Fighters, but yeah. come on, dude. That's why I'm like, what is the fucking actual criteria? Not what we contest by that. That must be what it is, because otherwise you're like, you got to be kidding. Especially if they're doing this thing where there's whoever they're going to nominate the committee, whoever does it. And then they go, oh, and by the way, we're going to throw you guys a bone, and the fans get to vote on whoever the last guy right. is who comes in. I'm like, oh, okay. And then at that point, yeah, all it takes is the legion of Foo Fighter fans to go, dude, get in there and vote. Right. But the, to me, I'm like, that's not really indicative of the true yeah. – I mean, I guess in a way it is, right? If their influence is so great that they Bam. can get shitloads of people on the internet to vote for them, then maybe they do have a following. I actually – if you think about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the way people get in, oh. it should not be a bunch of jerk offs <laughs> that they fucking. They should like. just say that in the rules. Can't be a bunch of jerk offs. Well, seriously, they sent all these. Fu- I'm a rock critic. I'll rock for Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know, like or, or whatever. You know, fuck the journalists. Journalists yeah. usually get it wrong half the fucking time. For real. Hold on, guys. Watch that train of time. What? You're a journalist. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Thanks, John. Um, journalists, with the exception of the people associated with the Right to Rock and the Genghis Ragman show. Um, <laughs> I forgot that disclaimer. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. It's just people, it, in my opinion, with any Hall of Fame sports rock and roll, what have you, 
it should be a fan vote. Get an assembly of dickheads to say, okay, these are the people that we think should be in this thing. We don't, and then us, the fans, don't give a fuck what all these other people think. It's a fan vote. So, Iron Maid's on the bill. The Go-Go's are on the bill. Juice Priest, Tina Turner, Ike Turner, whoever, Jan Jackson, whoever. Vote. It's a free vote, and whoever wins the top five spots, that's who we induct. And leave it to the fans. Fuck the journalists. Fuck the guy that wrote for the New York Times that loves his favorite bands fucking the, I don't know, the Bee Gees. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just yeah. like, it's an opinion of these certain people. It's not the fans. It's like, well, we're going to give a fan vote that's going to count one point towards getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The fans are the ones that fucking pay these people salaries, go see them in the venues, not some jerk-off that works yeah. for the fucking New York Post, the Houston Chronicle, LA Times, or wherever you're at, that gets a free fucking ticket to go to the show. He didn't fucking pay nothing. He didn't buy a record, probably got a promo, or a download, or whatever you want to call it. The people mm-hmm. that actually pe- give these people money to see them because they love their art are the people that should be voting for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in my opinion. I almost sound like you know who. But I don't even know if that's his line of thought. But this is my yeah. line of thought is right. it should be a fan vote and fuck the journalists. You know, right. Howard Stern, that basically he talked about it. He goes, I don't even fucking vote. I think it's bullshit that I have to vote for this. But these huh. other people think, oh, I know music, man. I love fucking Bruce Springsteen and John Mellicat and right. all the well, uh, Bowie and all these. Certainly a stereotype. Music. Right, the right. stereotype of those journalists is that they're they're a bunch of snobs, right? Well, it's like, oh, what's cool to like? You yeah. and I and, but, are people that are not of that kind. It's like we know what we like. You know, we like right. this, that, or the other thing. And right. Well, the fact of the matter is that that, that really I think makes it clear is right. that you could have a, an act, a band, that all the journalists uniformly they all put out you know 10 out of 10 their new album is 100 percent the best stuff i've ever heard and yet if the actual buying public the quote-unquote fans never buy any of the albums then it doesn't fucking mean anything right right ultimately what makes a band huge the reason motley crew uh is as big as they are is because every time you go to their concerts all them fucking seats are filled all the they got everyone to come out and listen to their music, regardless of what anyone thinks about it. Certainly, regardless of what any journalist thinks about it. Right? There's like we're filling the fucking seats in here, so we're evidently a big thing. Well, and that's and what determines it. I agree. And there, there's a thing about the crew. The great example, by the way, is they had probably three or four albums in their whole catalog that were really good. And the rest were very average, but. They were the bad boys of rock and roll. They were in the fucking magazines, newspapers, news stories, everything. Right. And uh, that's kind of straight and off topic, to be honest. And shit. T- Again, we go back to the influence. And that's what the Rock Hall, Roll Hall of Fame says. Influence. Right. They influence about every band on the Sunset Strip. Right. right. 
Right, and what I'm thinking is is um, is actually just in terms of of what we were talking about, and that is it doesn't matter if, like I said, every journalist in town thinks Motley Crue's music sucks. Right. If if they're influencing all these people, getting all these fans to come out to their concerts, even decades after you know they uh, started, even years after they put out a good album, then clearly that means something. Right. Regardless of what all those other journalists are saying, so that's why I'm saying it's not to shit on journalists. You know that we need those too, and and, and it, it raises raises an interesting sort of very quick uh, subtopic of have you ever discovered a band based only on the word of a journalist? Like you read a review in a magazine and said, "Wow, these this guy who wrote about this band made him sound so good. I'm going to check him out." And then all of a sudden. You check them out, and you're like, holy shit, I love this fucking band, and I never would have known about it if I hadn't read what this journalist wrote about it. Yes, I have. I like See? Metal Hammer. Yeah. Hip Prater. That's the thing. The I day, used to whatever. use Metal yeah. Hammer. I used to use Metal Hammer. I'd go through, go to the review section, and just if I saw albums that were like, all right, that one got a 10. Right. I mean, you don't just hand those out, I assume. So if I I'd read about it, and if it sounded like something I'd be interested in, I'd check it out just based on, essentially, the recommendation of that journalist. Oh, yeah, and totally. I found a couple of bands that way that I really fucking love. So that's why I say I'm not trying to shit on journalists. It doesn't mean their opinion doesn't mean anything. What I'm saying is they don't decide what's really popular. The fans do ultimately. Right. Agreed. But anyway, we'll let that go. And uh, we can either do this very quick, interesting topic at the end or move straight into the music if you like. It's up Let's to you. Let's do one more topic and we'll make it a little bit long for the fans. They love this shit. Uh, only because this is an interesting thing because every now and then you hear this kind of stuff and so this is the latest Roger Taylor of Queen uh-huh. recalls that he had the chance to join Genesis before Queen Genesis? Really? Yeah, yeah. so instead huh. of Phil Collins it could have been Roger Taylor back there Oh wow! Isn't he the That's guy in Queen crazy. that had I know, isn't he the guy in Queen that has that yeah, the super high voice super and all the vocals? High, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So imagine what the vocals might have sounded like in Genesis with Peter Gabriel doing his weird shit and then fucking Roger going, yeah, whatever, (laughs) grabbing his balls. It's wild. It just says here that Queen drummer Roger Taylor recalled in an interview with Classic Rock magazine that he thinks legendary progressive rock band Genesis wanted him as a drummer. Musician said he was invited to watch the band in studio and went for a drink with him. And the quote is, well, they invited me to the studio to listen to him. Then we went to the pub. They didn't say, do you want to join the group? But I get the impression that's what they wanted because their drummer had left. They're all lovely people, but I didn't really get the music, to be honest. Oh, wow. It was a bit, it was a bit too prog for me, he says. I had a wonderful offer from Mick Ronson and Ian Hunter, actually. It was going to be called Hunter Ronson Taylor, so there would have been like a little super group kind of thing. And he says, I think that would have been good. But I guess instead, he went on to, uh, to join Queen, of course, and the rest is history. Oh, but, wow. Cool. Like I said, it's always interesting to hear things like that because, you know, he's from a super famous band, Queen, and yeah. he almost could have joined another super famous band, Genesis. And so you left to wonder, like, what, what might that have sounded like? It might have yeah. been kind of interesting. What would Queen be without Roger Taylor from the beginning? And what would Genesis be with Roger Taylor from the beginning? Be a different sound for both. So, ponder a question for you, sir. Because uh-huh. you're a guy that is... You're more about the vocalist and the guitar player and the backing guys, like a bass player or drummer, if they're not like Billy Sheehan or Neil Peart or Mike Portnoy. 
virtuoso. So Roger yeah. Taylor, if he's not in Queen, uh -huh. is, is he replaced? Do you, do you miss him? Uh, I don't think you'd miss his drumming. Right. I think you'd only miss his vocals. So that's where I get in the, I we get this age-old argument of me with Michael Anthony and Van Halen. And I see. Like Pilsen and Dokken. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you're uh, you're right. There's no. I'm not saying you're wrong because you're right. It, it, I guess it's possible that they would have never because if they didn't have a guy there who says, "Hey, I can do really high vocals," yeah. they, it may never have occurred to him to say, "Well, when we do this funky, super four, five, six, seven, eight part harmony for these vocals, like Freddie must have thought would be sounding cool and became a fucking you know right. signature, legendary sound." Uh, maybe it would never have sounded like that. And you'd still have something like it, but it would be missing that high end. Or they would have said, no, Freddie from the beginning said, no, we need like a really high end. So let's find a guy, even if he's just a session dude, to come in and record the vocals yeah. separately and then have this other dude be a drummer. Because the chance of finding another drummer who also does super high vocals, right. I think that probably was not likely. So that's interesting. Yeah. And then I think, too, it would have changed the sound of Genesis. Because I th do think Genesis, I don't know how proggy, like he said, they sound a little too prog for me, which makes me think Roger Taylor not so keen on playing proggy shit. But not necessarily because he can't. But, but, but you he know just, what's funny, though, too? If you look at Genesis, they were super proggy back in the 70s. Uh -huh. But they got super poppy. poppy yeah, they got And that's Phil, right? In the 80s, 90s. Yeah, I think Phil Collins, that was his influence. Because if yeah. you listen to all his solo albums, it basically sounded like Genesis. Because it was that was the shit he liked to do. And they just got yeah. more like Phil. I think that's the thing. And that could be a topic for another day and another show. But there are, I think, plenty of bands where there's a guy who's not necessarily the leader of the band or the guy that started the band. Maybe he came in later. But he most definitely influences the entire right. sound of the band. Right. And sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. I think that happened with Ozzy, with uh, Zach Wilde, which I think is why... They got rid of him at some point. Yeah. They said basically this is just you're making Ozzy sounds like Black Label Society, right? And then uh, same with some other bands like uh, like Genesis, really, because you yeah. know they sounded like Genesis. Peter left, then all of a sudden they started sounding like Bill Collins, basically. Totally. So that's I think that's a huge uh, thing in a lot of bands if you look into it. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it could go either way. Yeah, totally. totally. So, is it classic time, Mister J? I'm going to slow it down a bit for my classic of this year. Ooh. How about a little bit of Lynch Mob? They're not ah. called Lynch Mob anymore. I don't know what they're called, but I like George Lynch and Oni Logan when they play together. What's that tell you? Well, this like you said, I wanted to... came they... out in 19... 
like my Casey Hates me. You like you like playing the DJ, but you're terrible at it, and I guess that makes it funny. Well, I get told that a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> but anyway, this is this is a killer song. Uh, it's actually the ballad on Wicked Sensation. Came out in the nice. great year of 1990. This one's called Through These Eyes. A little lich wild for you. Should have been like the night guy, right? Yeah, on the radio stuff. station. Who did like you're yeah. on the night shift with Ragman? <laughs> that kind of give you like fucking uh, what was that motherfucker? Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Now that tells you how fucking old we are. Yeah. We remember fucking hey, Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack is howling out tonight. Got exactly. a full moon rising. What movie was that? He was in a movie. He was in one of those like movies about the fifties. It kind of like, like Porky's or something. Was it Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, he had that. What he was in, he was in like this little radio station, yeah, and yeah. some. And I think there was like some kids getting hazed or something. And I think I remember like a naked kid carrying like a, a tire or something, and he ends up running past there, and like there's fucking Wolfman. And there had to be naked titties somewhere. There had to be boobs somewhere. I I pray for that. I mean, I, I gotta have. There's, it's there's not a problem. Shit I gotta have. So again, she got a classic of the show. <laughs> it's all falling apart. What could that be, Paisan? How about we go back to 1980? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An artist that I don't know if you if you know this artist, but they're called Quartz. No, like the watch. Yeah, yeah. They had an album called Stand Up and Fight. And, and they like uh, had a whole line of watches. <laughs> like, we're gonna release the album, mate. Well, well even weird. Quartz, and then we got even, all these watches. Even weirder is they have a song called Charlie Snow. I don't know who the fuck Charlie Snow is or why it's called that, but it's it a great to song. It Yellow Snow, but they changed it just for political reasons. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. 
political reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of politics going around. Charlie Snow back in the day. Uh-huh. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. Let's do it. Business Paisan. What is it, Holmes? That would be our picks of the show, Holmes. Pick of the show. So, um, I got one, mate. Go for it. This is a band I really dig. Good, good female vocalist. Brand new album called Invicta. Invicta. Huh. I like saying that. Um, no, very cool. Uh, just good heavy metal. Great chick vocals. She's got a very strong vocals, and I'm going to tell you what, Paisan, we may be talking to her. So, Scarlett, we're looking forward to talking to you. That's all I want to say. But, we're going to play your song called Not Alone, off your brand new record. Apples, Holmes. They were Paisan. Well, how about uh, we follow that up since you did a, a kind of a female thing? I follow it with another female front oh, band. Oh, look at you. How about a band called Sumo Psycho? Hmm. And they're on Napalm Records and they got a new single that's pretty rocking called Vertigo. Vertigo. Check let's, it out. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. 
Can be versatile, Holmes. We have a theme, Holmes. Exactly, chick night. This fucking cat away. I can't get enough pets, mate. I need more pets, dude. And the motherfucker's shedding everywhere. It's like, well, of course it is. It's a cat outside, Holmes. This is the thing you're complaining about. Shit, that's like this isn't new. Everyone knows it's a cat, and the cats are pain in the ass. They are. How is this newsworthy? Dude, but I mean, a week ago the house, I mean, looked great, and these fuckheads, it's fucking fur in like every like ten paces. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How what? do you think this place looks like? It's covered in hair. Oh, it does it. Every time you go out, it's like, man, nice sweater. It's like it's not a fucking sweater, Holmes. This is a t-shirt. <laughs> you get on the ground, just like roll in it. No, oh, that's the thing. You don't have to. You just you wake up and the thing's sitting on your chest, like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> They're all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah, dickhead earlier. It's like, he would not, he kept moving closer to my laptop when I was trying to work. I'm like, bro, give me some space. He's like, Man. It's the heat. They want the heat. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the heat, the heat comes out of your laptop and they like that warm air. Um, apparently so. So anyway, I told him, I said, you know, you get off my computer because I'm trying to work. He goes, you know what? <laughs> I want to give you two. Hi, this is Jeff Tate. You're listening to the Gangus and Ragman Show. Horns up.
All right, guys, you're on live with Ragman Mono E Mono with a legendary voice in heavy metal and hard rock. Fronted Queen Trike for many, many years. Now he's check. We're checking out his new project, Sweet Oblivion, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so uh, we're talking to Jeff Tate. Jeff, welcome to the Genghis and Ragman Show. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, this is the second Sweet Oblivion record. Um, I kind of want to ask you first before we jump into it, because I actually, I have a friend, and he had no idea about the first record. And I said, yeah, they're about uh -huh. to do a second. And he's like, well, what's it sound like? I played it. He's like, holy shit, this is freaking awesome, man. And Tate sounds amazing. So uh, how did you get involved? Was it Serafino uh, from uh, Frontier said, hey, I'm thinking about doing... A kind of a hard rock heavy metal thing and maybe the vein of like 80s queen trike but you know switch it up a bit and uh, is that how it happened or how did it how did it go well um you know i spent 30 plus years working with the same people you know in queens right and when that ended i was looking to kind of branch out and do some different things perhaps you know work in a collaborative uh format with you know maybe a different producer or uh, different positions and that kind of thing. And uh, I was talking to uh, Mario at the uh, uh, Frontier Records about that. We, I was involved with a, another project with them at the time. Um, and uh, I said, you know, if, you're in, if you hear of anything, you know, keep me in mind and maybe let me know uh, what you got going on. And uh, a couple years later, he approached me with Sweet Oblivion, which I thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And Sure enough, it's proved to be, you know, uh, a good uh, kind of situation for me. Um, it's great, you know, working with different people and uh, different producers. I really got my wish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the the second record uh, with Aldo um, was uh, as easy as the first one was, you know, to uh, to work on. Uh, it was uh, great. I working in my own home studio, and they're working in their studio. Yeah, working in different countries. I was in Ireland at the time working on this record and uh, recording there and and uh, we were working back and forth, you know, using the, the virtual studio of the internet, kind of the 21st century way of uh, making records now, you know? Yeah. It's cool. It's a very, very good project. I'm really happy with it. Would, would you say it's a lot different working with Aldo opposed to when you worked with Simone on the first one? Uh, kind of the same. You know, um, it was uh, maybe a little bit different uh, with Aldo because uh, I had known him before. Oh, okay. You know, we'd met a couple. We'd met a couple times, um, but uh, I didn't know Simone when when we started. So uh, yeah, I was kind of starting from ground zero, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it uh, worked out well. Both projects are. Um, I think uh, very cool, very different from each other, but kind of kind of similar too in, in a way. It got the a certain sound to them. I think that's uh, maybe the third will be like that too, because they got a third one that's going to be coming up um, later on. But I just, I have no idea who's going to be involved with it. <laughs> which oh, is wow. Kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of a surprise, you know. So when do you do do you get everything lyrics, music, and everything, or do you write all the lyrics? Uh, no, I write some of the lyrics, and um, and I've added to some of the music too. Uh, yeah, it just depends. You know, we we start 
we usually start with like a couple of ideas and we pass them around and then things start, you know, happening from that usually. Kind of like when you make, kind of like usual when you're making a record, you know, you start with an idea, a couple of ideas and you kind of elaborate on those and get going, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like you were saying, it you virtually you can basically do anything right now and it's almost like you're in the same room even though you're in different countries or may not have even met some of the people you're working with at this point. So it's kinda yeah. wild how this has morphed, right? Well, in a way it is. It's it's it seems so strange to us on some level. But really, when you stop and think about it, the only reason we were working in studios and doing things the way we were doing them 30, 40 years ago is because that's all we had. Right. You know? And now, with technology and advances and, and audio recording and that kind of thing, it's just a whole different world now, you know? And, uh, you can, you can do fantastic things and you don't need, you, you don't need to be locked in the same room together, you know, to create, you know, great music. Well, saying that, Jeff, just just out of curiosity, when say here in a year, if we're back to some sort of normalcy, do you think you'll continue to do the virtual studio thing, or do you think you'll for your like solo project? Do you think you would go back and say, "All right, guys, let's go sit in a room and create"? I've never sat in a room and created with. with oh other really? People. Oh okay. No. No, it's always been kind of a solitary endeavor, you know, that uh, you come up with something and then you bring it to the other people to embellish or add to or subtract from, you know. Uh, the whole concept of a band sitting in one room, that, that's never been my reality. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting, even, man. I Interesting. Even, I, don't even, I don't even know anybody that works like that ever. But uh, I guess some people do. Maybe they did. You know, years ago, back when, when the Beatles were making records, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm 53, dude, so I just remember reading some like Metal Edges and stuff like that, where Molly Crew's all in the same room. They're recording with Bob Rock, or you know, Rats doing mm -hmm. it. You know, you know, Sadie's bands like that. But it's interesting that right. uh, you came in with more finished ideas, and then you guys kind of work it out from there. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, the new record's called Relentless, coming out on Frontiers on April 9th. Um, I want to tell you, man, my favorite song right now is probably Let It Be. I really dig that track, man. Do you have uh, any kind of cool story behind that song?
no, not really. Uh, I can just tell you that my my recording environment um, for this whole album was uh, was very cool. Um, I gotta let the motorcycles pass me here. There. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I decided that when the pandemic kicked in, we were going to get out of the country and go someplace different. So we went to Ireland and uh, rented a house there. And it was this really cool little cottage, kind of Irish cottage up in the countryside with this beautiful view over the valley. You could see the sea in the distance. Oh, awesome, man. And so um, I just brought all my recording gear, which I normally take with me anyway. It all fits in a suitcase and set up shop there and just hung out for like three or four months and uh, worked on the record. And uh, it was just great. You know, it was a very neat uh, environment to get creative in, you know, and um, I'm pretty affected by my environment, you know, wherever I go. So I I like to be in a place that uh, makes me feel good. You know, I don't want to be stuck in some inner city hole in the wall place with no windows or you know alleyways and dirty streets and people you know waiting to jump on you from a staircase you know yeah for sure i don't live i don't live like that you know so uh this was really a, a great place to uh to just think about music you know to spend the time that it takes to to make a record which you know it does take time that's the thing about making records it's not something you can slap together or um you know, get them quickly. You know, records just take time. How long have you guys been working on the second record here? Um, well, I I worked on it for about three, four months, I guess. Okay. Nice, nice. It's really solid, man. I really like it. I, and like you said, there's a little bit of a difference between the first record and the second record, but there's kind of this intertwining thread for the, the, the two, you know, and I really, I, there's elements yeah. of both that I really kind of dig, man. Um, another song I wanted to bring up was uh, Anybody Out There. I really, really dig that one as well, man. Also, I guess the first video single, Another Change, uh, you get the video, 
and it's basically just you, and then there's kind of a storyline. I gotta tell you, where were you? And you look cold as shit, dude. <laughs> you really look yeah. cold. <laughs> challenging day and um, doing video shoots is never like one of my favorite things to do honestly um, but when you're in a condition like that it's just so hard not to sit there with a big big runny red nose <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly man exactly you know, it's a cool looking landscape you know and you know it's kind of cool seeing the the breath you know vaporize you know when you're singing that's kind of a cool effect but man it was so bitterly cold. The camera guy, he had to keep wearing these like these heated uh, mittens, you know, to keep his fingers warm because he was trying to use his fingers, you know, to to focus and change the settings and all that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, kept he kept dropping them in the snow, and he dropped the camera a couple of times. Oh shit! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you all I wanted. Go ahead. All I wanted them to do. I just wanted them to hurry up and get the shot, you know, because. <laughs> It was so miserable. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's time to get the fuck out of here. Uh, yeah, really. Were you in Seattle or were you in yeah. Ireland at the time? Yeah, it was Seattle. Yeah. Oh, okay. I we, had, uh, we had just gotten. Um, it's funny enough. I was. Uh, I had my um, my appointment to get my my uh, coronavirus vaccination, and uh, we had this gigantic snowstorm, which is where we filmed the video, right? Uh-huh. And that happened in Seattle. And when it snows in Seattle, it's such a rare thing. Uh, the whole city just shuts down because we don't have, you know, the proper equipment to clear snow and people just lose their minds here. Oh, yeah. Sounds and, like Houston. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's exactly like that same kind of thing. I was in a snowstorm in Houston once a long time ago. Oh, shit. A, a lot of people don't think it snows oh, there, but it does. You know? That's when you yeah. guys opened up for Metallica, right? That ice storm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That ice storm, yeah. That thing was miserable. We barely got to the arena. Yeah, us too. I think we were late getting there. But anyway, the, the snowstorm here, it shut down everything. And um, I didn't get my coronavirus uh, 
vac vaccination until like weeks later, you know. But anyway, that that's the story of that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, last song I want to bring up real quick uh, is Aria, and mm -hmm. are you you're singing in Italian there? I'm I'm guessing. Um, yep. Either that or my hearing's fucked up and I just can't understand what you're saying. But I'm like, dude, he's singing, he's rolling his R's, he's got all this stuff. Do you know Italian or did you just like, I got to do this for the song? Yeah, I learned I learned it for the song. Yeah, I wanted to sing a song in Italian. I, I've done it before on a Queensryche record, uh, uh, a group of uh, songs we did called Take Cover. Oh, yeah. Um, came out, I think it came out in 2010. And, uh, but I wanted to sing a song in Italian because, well, one, Italy has become very important to me. Um, I go there a lot. Two of my guitar players that tour with me are Italian. Um, I rehearse in Italy. Oftentimes I recorded there. Um, my wife and I started this, uh, this, uh, outside project called Backstage Pass Travel where we take people on tours around with us and uh, show them the sights of different places around the world and Italy is one of the places we go and the record company Frontiers is from Italy and uh, all the musicians are Italian the producers Italian and I thought wow well you know why not give the Italian fans a little love here by you know doing a song in their language you know that's awesome, man. That is totally awesome. Well, I know we're getting short on was, time, and that was that was and that was my plan, but it was harder than it seemed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff, you should have said, "Dude, I winged it like a, a champ." <laughs> one take, man. One take. <laughs> but uh, uh, just real quick, I know we're short on time here, but uh, as far as your solo stuff and maybe playing out live, there's actually shows coming to Houston. I think Texas is one of the first areas where I guess live music's going to come back. I'm going to see Winger and Night Ranger next month. Um, right. Are you planning anything, or are you looking to maybe do another solo record before you get back out? I know you were gonna, you had a tour planned. I guess it got canceled by the pandemic, so I know a lot of people are going to be asking, hey, is he going to go back and do what he planned prior to the pandemic? Yeah. Well, you know, I was on tour when the pandemic kicked in. Uh, I was on tour in the, in the East Coast states, and uh, it was so strange. We were you know, watching the city shut down in our rearview mirror as we left town, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think our last show was in Atlanta, and um, so we were right in the uh, beginning, a uh, couple months of the uh, Empire 30-year celebration of that album, where we play uh, the whole Empire album, and then we also opened up with uh, the Rage for Order album too. Oh, nice! So it was really a cool show, you know, one-two punch kind of show. Oh, definitely. And, uh, man. So when the pandemic kicked in, you know, of course we had to cancel like everybody and postpone, and then uh, they gave us oh the possibility of you know four months out, you know, we'll be back on the road. So they they put the shows up, you know, for sale four months you know, uh, later, and then those got postponed again, and I think we're like on the fourth postponed now. But right now, I know we have a we have a de uh, uh, commitment in um, June, July in the UK, we start touring there. And then uh, September, we'll be back in the States uh, for the beginning of the tour then. And right now, I I'm booked up until Christmas of 2023. Oh, dude, that's so, good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's, I'm busy, you know? Yeah, totally, man, totally. Um, well, uh, I guess before we let you go, Jeff, is there anything you want to tell the fans out there? 
Oh, thank you. And I hope uh, everybody uh, gets out and goes back to uh, enjoying themselves listening to live music live. Uh, I know I will, and I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to get back on the road and uh, see everyone and and uh, play music really loud again. Hell yeah, man. I, I actually went to my first show this past weekend, a band called Adelita's Way. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but, dude, it felt so good to see live music again. So now I'm jonesing for the winger, and then the next night's Night Ranger. I got it back-to-back, so... It's it's feeling good. It's feeling like things are getting kind of back to normal. So, uh, yeah, it's looking good. I think the future is bright for live music again, and and I know that people will flock back out to uh, be part of it again, like they used to. Um, I did a I've done three limited shows in the United States, uh, oh gosh, over the last few months, and every show was really well attended, and everyone was so happy to be back, you know, with the live music again. So. I, I'm excited, and I think a lot of people are excited. Yeah, me too, brother. Me too. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you for coming back on The Right the right Rock and the Genghis Ragman Show, and we want to tell all the fans to grab Sweet Oblivion's brand-new record, Relentless, out on Frontiers. Jeff, it was great talking to you, man. I can't uh, wait until we get to chat again, my friend. All right. Well, take care, and, uh, and thanks a lot for the interview. I appreciate it, man. right now is 13 by Sonic X. So check them out and keep checking us out. And horns up. up.